0: 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign.
1: The wind and the pitch, here it is. Swung, fly ball deep left center,
0: them on the run. Yes, yeah, yes, 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 yes. The yeah. you a championship. 25 lighters on my dresser, and yes, sir. You know I've got to get paid.
1: 25 lighters on my dresser, yes sir, you know I got to get paid, swing and drive, not too right, welcome to the show, 25 lighters for my 25 folks,
0: now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Sports Drink and our friends at now the newly branded Spotify Green Room. Used to be locker room, now it is the Spotify Green Room. It is a fantastic place for fans to just congregate and speak to their favorite hosts, other fans, whatever. Just feel like a part of the action. Think of it as a as a uh, a less reddity discord, if you will. The Spotify Green Room allows you to be involved in every aspect of your fandom, whether that's going on and finding other fans like you to talk about whatever favorite sporting event, breaking news, in-game coverage you might want to find. Spotify Green Room is the place to go. Here on the show, we do our Spotify Green Rooms on Thursdays. It won't be this Thursday, as I got to work a little bit late. I'll probably do it Friday instead. But it gives you a chance to come on. All you got to do is go to Spotify Green Room, download it in the uh, in the Apple Play Store or the Google Play Store. And create and link your your Twitter profile or whatever other profile you want to, so you can kept up to date. You can follow the TPS page, or you can just search under my name. You can find the uh, the page to follow along there, and you can be notified every time that I start one up. It's usually Thursdays at 9 p.m. So come on down. We'll always have a little Braves powwow session and talk about whatever else is going on in the realm of baseball. Spotify Green Room, the best place to go. Spotify Green Room, breaking barriers one room at a time. Okay, so before we get into this. Gotta say a happy, very happy belated birthday to uh my partner's better half, the lovely Val, uh, and to our good buddy Garav. Um also the lovely Garav, I guess I could say. Although Valerie's probably got him beat a little bit. Um just just if I'm being unbiased. Uh but very cool that uh two very important people to us having their birthdays and we get to celebrate it on the show here. So, Doc, I gotta ask, man, what what did you do for Val's birthday? So this was kind of
1: a fun one. We've been together for uh... God, what year is it? We've been together for a decade now, and this is the first time that rather than spending time with me on her birthday, she and two of her friends drove up to Cloudland Canyon in Tennessee and went hiking. I didn't get to see her till uh, probably six or seven that night, so I went out to my buddy's music studio, and that's what I did for my wife's birthday, is I didn't spend any time with her. It's the thing she wanted the most.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, sometimes, though, when you've been together that long, that is the gift.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and when we did see each other, it was a, a joyful reunion. It was happy for everybody involved, but, uh, yeah, I think that she was really excited to, um, just go and spend some time with her girlfriends and go get out into nature. It looked like it was humid that day. I was glad to be indoors.
0: I can only imagine it is uh it, w- it went from feeling like, like summer was never going to show up to summer got here in a very quick hurry really quickly here in Georgia. So. uh Nice to see that some of us are able to avoid that heat a little bit. Speaking of avoiding the heat, the Braves, after we talked about them and how they were kind of making it a lot more difficult, making it look like the 2018 Nationals, where it looked like they were kind of burying themselves early, they decided to kind of turn it on a little bit. Since last week, since our last episode, uh, when we were talking about being in the throes of, of that kind of awful stretch there where they just could not seem to, to sustain any sort of run, we talked about the 26 games leading up to the All-Star break. Well, they've gone 5-4 and four since then. 5-2 after the Red Sox series, which is where I'm going to count it at. Because uh, I don't count two game sets a series. You know that about me. Um, but 5-2 and two against the, the the Cardinals, who aren't very good, and the Mets, who are good. Uh, so good news there. And most importantly, two of those wins being against the Mets. we talked about this at length, that because they're playing the Mets so much in the next few weeks, I think uh, before this series started, it was seven of, of the next 11 games. So by this point, you've got uh, four of your next seven are against the Mets. And the Braves, so far, the worst they can do is split this series. Now, I, I need them to win this series. That's that's what the Braves need to do to, to make this series kind of really jump up and be important. That cuts it from what was a five-game deficit as the, as the series started to a three-game deficit, which puts you right in striking distance before the deadline, um, or before the All-Star break. And you have that four-game spat with the Reds in between there, which can go either of. The Reds could come out and, and pulverize you for 19 runs in a game. Or they could go completely silent and you could mash them for 12 runs in a game. It's kind of unknown what type of red team you'll get. But for the Braves, I do feel like this has been a very important stretch. And while we've said this numerous times, the team does look like they're playing better than they were at any other time consistently this season.
1: Yeah, regardless of, of win-loss uh, results you are seeing, you, I just get a better, a little bit better feeling out of the team right now. I mean, there's still some games where they look really listlessly. Even in the last five games, uh, they've only scored eight runs. They've, they had a couple of home runs that really bailed them out. But um, by the luck of the draw, the starting pitching decided that it wanted to show up. So there have been three shutouts in the, in the past couple of games. So that's been really good to see. You can... You can endure a slumping offense, as long as you're starting pitching, is uh, keeping things within reach, so that's been really nice, and yeah, seeing them beat the Mets, I mean, you know my my, um, distaste for the New York Mets is very well documented on TPS, but uh, right now, it's not even about being the Mets, it's about them being the division leader, and going into their house, and taking two out of the first three with a chance to win three out of four. Kyle Wright's on the mound tonight, so um, there's a lot of different things about this tonight's game that point towards the fact that the Braves are going to lose it, um, which tells me that maybe they won't. There have been a number of games like that this year. Where I'm looking at the lineup and the pitching matchup going, there's not a chance we win this game. And then we win like 9-2. to two. So if you come out of the first 10 games out of this rough stretch and you're 6-4, and four, you're three games out of first. And you're one game under 500. That gives you a really good feeling. And you're right about the Reds. Um, they are the type of team who could lose 20 to 19. Their offense is great. Their pitching is terrible. So when the Braves see the Mets next week, there is a possibility. You know, knock, knock on. Knock on all of the wood if you can. But there is a possibility, thank you, that uh, that they will still be in striking distance. And they get to do it at home. And by that point, uh, Max Fried won't... Mm, his I.L. stint was retroactive. So he might be coming off the I.L. right at the end of that Mets series. So... Feeling really good right this second, even with the slumping offense even because you know that they they are gonna come back around Ozzie is just in the middle of a heater right now Freddie Freddie's looking right again Dansby's starting to look right again you're getting incremental production out of the bottom part of the lineup, but it's enough to string together a couple wins so uh right now with the roster being what it is, then you know I'll take. Thirty-five and thirty-seven for now, I guess. You still got plenty to add between now and uh, now and July thirtieth. But keep your head above water, and, and that might might keep you rolling.
0: And that's kind of been the key: is find a way to keep yourself uh, within striking distance. You know that the Braves are better than what they've put forth so far. So it's more about don't bury yourself. Uh, one of the good, one of the keys to this has been because I'll give the offense a little bit of a break. I mean, two doubleheaders uh, in consecutive days, it's not fun for position players when you're playing, and yes, it's only seven innings, but you're talking about 28 innings worth of game uh, smooshed into two days, and you don't have a break after that. You went right from a doubleheader uh, at home to getting on a flight to playing a doubleheader uh, starting at five in New York, and then you don't have another off day. Uh, coming up for a little bit of ways. So I'll give the offense a little bit of leeway. What you've needed for something like this, whenever you have this much to play in that same span, position players are going to get more tired than your pitchers because obviously they're doing more. So your pitchers need to step up. And for the Braves, the starting pitching has done just that. And the starting pitching ha- has been absolutely fantastic over this stretch. Charlie Morton with. With his two best starts as a brave consecutively shocker ball shockers we'll talk about that a little bit later because there's probably there's there's a specific reason for that. Max Freed was electric in his outing, uh, which apparently he developed a blister again we'll talk about that in a second. Drew Smiley came out and it was really really good uh we We've had a a Bryce Wilson's was the only one that was not a, a was not a, a substantially good effort I mean I, and that's it's not that Bryce was particularly bad. A lot of things happened afterwards due to some stupid managerial mistakes if I can borrow a word from our manager. Um, some stupid decisions made. But overall, even Bryce kind of pitched like a like like what you would expect Bryce to pitch at, at the major league level. Wasn't wasn't overly dominant in any stretch of means, but he was around the strike zone and he gave you a good chance to win if you had pulled the right bu- or pushed the right buttons. The bullpen has been shakier, but on the flip side we've seen some of the some of the specific member of the bullpen really start to to settle in. Tyler Matzik has quietly been a lot closer to 2020 Tyler Matzik lately. Uh, Luke Jackson has been phenomenal lately. Even Will Smith, while it hasn't always been pretty, he's been pretty good lately. Um, you, you know, you still got to get to those guys at any certain stretch. Chris Martin has really not been uh, that impressive, which again, there's particular reason for that, as we can all gather. But we're going to give it actual time to discuss. But more importantly, your, your starting pitching as a whole is starting to round into form, and it's going to be very important because it can't just be the offense. We've we've heard them talk about it on the broadcast that. This Braves this year could be a team that that could rely on your offense, and you can do that. You can certainly do that in the regular season. Once you get to the postseason, though, that doesn't work. You have to have you have to have to basically every facet of your team working in order to go on any sort of run. Now, some would say, you know, don't talk about the postseason until you get to the postseason. I'm still going to talk about it because that's the whole point of this Braves team. The whole point of this Braves team is not to play good in the regular season and just miss the postseason. The point is to make another deep run in the postseason. That's, I'm not going to let anybody off the hook because the season didn't start out like we wanted, because we've had some injuries. That wasn't what this team was supposed to do before the season started, and that's not the way that we should judge this. Because as we hand out blame to everybody, we hand out a lot of blame to players, we hand out a lot of blame to Snicker, and we should also include... We hand out a lot of blame to Liberty Media. We should also hand out blame, and, or hold accountable, I guess would be a better word, literally every facet. That includes the front office as well. They should be held accountable as well. This is not a team that's looking to quote-unquote... Do a, or I shouldn't say quote, but to to have a good regular season, this is a team that was supposed to come into this year with designs at a World Series. That's that's what everybody wants. That's what everybody expects from this team. So that's the that's the standard I'm going to hold them to. And for that to happen, everything has to go well, or it has to go well enough to where you can make up for when it's not. Right now, the starting pitching is picking up the slack.
1: And that's just something that you want to see. It, you hear all this stuff about the healthy competition between all of the starters and, yeah, oh, we really just want to make each other better. Well, you got to have somebody being good that everybody is striving to be like. And even for when we would see Charlie hold it together for for a very large portion of his start, but he would still have the one meltdown inning, that doesn't inspire much confidence. You need to be You you can't do that. You can't just completely implode and have everybody else try and one up you because you know you you got to set the bar high. And Max was hurt. We know that Davidson when he was uh, before he went on the aisle. You know he was making his second, third, fourth starts of his career. And Noah's really you know there there's a million different things. It it all just kind of comes back to excuses at a certain point. You know yeah, it sucks that Mike Soroka's hurt. Doesn't matter. Got to win. It hurt, it sucks about <clears throat> excuse me, about Marcelo Zuna. Yep, that sucks. That whole thing is just a disaster. You gotta win. The bullpen, too bad about it. Gotta win. It doesn't matter. You know, none of none of these things because other teams are dealing with stuff too. The Mets, who were several games ahead of us, they are dealing with the fact that Jacob deGrom has left three out of his last five starts with injury, that Marcus Stroman left in the second last night, that sixty percent of their projected opening day roster was has been on the the IL at certain certain point this season, and they are, have done a better job than we have at winning. So there's there is plenty of blame to spread around. You know, if if they're, you know, you can you can find people to blame in this situation, but at a certain point, you know, even even finding people to blame is just an excuse because it comes down to guys having to do their job better. Now, I know that that Snit made some some controversial post game comments, and uh, it was very pot calling the kettle black, but I'm. But regardless of the self reference that he made to himself, his own little self burn, I mean, he's right. You know, AJ Menner's got to do his job. He has flashed that he can be a legit, I don't want to say that he can be a star, but he could be a really, really solid reliever a lot. And most of the time he is. But when he is bad, he is. Horrible, man, and he just—you just can't do that. This is a team that has got deep aspirations, and it's on everybody. Look, we don't like Josh Tomlin because he throws eighty-eight and he looks like he's about to rob a train in eighteen eighty-seven. But man, he's got to step up and do his job. And you know, I don't want to root for Josh. I want to root for Josh Tomlin because he's wearing a Braves uniform. But I have trouble rooting for strictly for Josh Tomlin because I've rooted for him before and he's let me down. I don't want that. I want to. I want a roster of twenty-six that is showing up ready to perform. And there's—it's been. It's been tricky to get all of that together. But you have Charlie, who's stepping up now. Max was looking great. Uh, the starts that he had made ever since he came off the aisle before he went back on with the blister. Hopefully this is just an isolated thing. Ian struggled in the start against Boston, but he really, really turned it around against the Mets. And he's been the most valuable pitcher, <clears throat> the most valuable pitcher that we have had this season. And nobody wants to hear the, oh, it's going to you know it's gonna seem like we're making a, a big trade at the deadline when we get back Enoa. But, you know, he was one of the guys who was really performing when he was there. And
0: when he was... Well, he was the best pitcher on the team right.
1: while he was held. And he needed to be, be. And it wasn't particularly close. Well, no, because Smiley, he seems to have turned a corner a little bit, knock on wood again. But, you know... When Inoa was doing well, Max was not, Charlie was not. So now that those two are doing well, if you get Inoa back and then Davidson seems a little hazy right now, but you add him into the mix, maybe you've got Soroka, probably not, but maybe. And and if you do go out and you make a trade, then you're looking at a pretty solid rotation right there. They can continue to pick up an offense that you know you need to add another bat in there as well. But if you can start supplementing, like I said, just keep your head above water and you can keep rolling because the front office knows that if it starts throwing up the the white flag, then it's going to be bad news for this offseason because people stop coming to games, less revenue, signing less free agents, more losing, people continue to not come to games, and so on and so forth. So front office knows that as long as the team is even kind of in the hunt, then they have to add because they have assets as well. So seeing the starting pitching. We've talked about that a yeah. lot.
0: We've talked about that because that's why I've never bought that the Braves are going to be sellers at the deadline, especially after the loss of revenue from last year. We, we may talk about Liberty and how they just view the Braves as, you know, some way to get some money. Well, the only way to get that money is for people to show up to the ballpark, and that's one of the things. I say what you want about them, quote-unquote, being cheap or whatever. Um, they're not going to, to punt a season and be like, all right, we'll sell everybody off because for them the main thing is to have people showing up to the games. And if that means that they have to go out and spend more um, – in a very, very short term to boost the, the revenue for a long term, I think that that's something that they would probably do if you could phrase it to them in that way of saying that, yes, you're spending more today, but you will make more off of what you're spending in a year from now. They're all business guys. It's not like Liberty Media is in entertainment and all sorts of different types of businesses. They're not, they're not idiots when it comes to business savvy. They're very aware of, you know, you can spend more in the short term than you'd like, but it can make you more in the long term, and you're supposed to, you're you're setting yourself up for long term success. Um, it does kind of bring up an interesting point right now that uh, I, I want to get to the discussion about Charlie and and, and Max and, and Wascar and the pitching as a whole. But before we delve into that, just one little quick aside because we're not going to talk a lot about trades today. Uh, we might get to some if we have the time at the end here because um, there, there's something that's going to imp- impact that obviously, but. If I were to ask you doc right now if you were telling me that you could only make one big acquisition and I'm talking about like something that changes the calculus of the team are is in your opinion would it be an outfielder or would it or let's say would it be a position player or a pitcher
1: mm, I think it would be a position player. I think you got to get an everyday left fielder. I agree. Yeah, you can't keep running I out a Monte. You can't do it.
0: I think that that's going to be the more important thing because you have to, you know that Almonte has done very well. Heredia has done very well for, for more than you should have ever anticipated him doing this season. Um, but at some point, you know those guys are, are going to go back to being who they are and it's not fair of them to ask them to perform at the level that they've been performing after stretches of this year. Uh, and you have to Really, you, just, you have to move on from Ozuna. And how do you do that? you got to get another big bat to replace him in the same position. Like I've said a million times, I understand that Riley has had issues throwing the ball from third base. They are not moving Riley off of third. I can guarantee you. Now, some people can argue that, oh, well, it probably wouldn't affect him. Maybe, or maybe it would. Maybe moving him out into left field where now he's going to get more tired because he's moving around a lot more or because he has to focus on his defense a lot more, maybe that does take away from the bat. It's the same reason why they will not move Acuna to center field why they are adamant about leaving him in right field. And if you were to ask me to be honest, I'll tell you that, yes, it, it most likely does make a difference. Fresher legs means you're not you're going to be more on time with your swing. When, you're le- when your lower half is tired, your bat drags behind. And that's going to be the thing with the Braves. They're going to be worried about that with Riley. And maybe Riley is just more comfortable at third. Even if you say he's not a great defender at third, where it maybe shouldn't matter. But if it matters to Riley, then it matters because you can say what you want about wanting to build the team a certain way but in order for that to work you would have to be able to move him off of third base without taking away from his offense and if you're not confident that you can do that then you don't make that move because then you're then you're making another hole that you were trying to fill when you could just fill it with an outfielder to begin with
1: yeah and and you you can you can see the pitching staff starting to to kind of come around a little bit and like you said uh, Jackson and Smith and you know there there have been a couple of relievers that have um that have stepped up, and you you can you can patch a bullpen easier than you can patch a, a glaring hole in in the lineup.
0: Right. I don't count a bullpen piece as like a big move. Like when I say like a like a calculus changing move, I mean a starting pitcher or a starting position player. I don't mean a reliever. Where you've got eleven relievers nowadays. So yes, like if you could get Richard Rodriguez, yes, you'd improve your your chances by. Quite a fair amount in game to game scenarios, but overall, as far as like the calculus of the team about how good is this team, starters and position players are infinitely more important than individuals in the bullpen. Agreed.
1: And uh, it's funny you brought up Rodriguez because my ultimate trade deadline deal right now is him and Brian Reynolds from the Pirates. But
0: that's one that I've I've talked about them a lot. I think that that's a deal that could get done. Uh, you know, the Pirates are just going to basically trade off everything. Uh, I, I'm eyeing Zach Gallon. If you're going for a pitcher, I'm going to eyeball Zach Gallen because the Diamondbacks are, are awful. Uh, and they're probably not going to be good anytime soon. They've got some okay pieces in the minors, but a lot of them aren't super close to the majors. Uh, Cattell Marte is obviously super, super awesome. Pavin Smith has been really, really good for them, but they don't really have much else that makes you think that they're going to be able to compete in the West anytime soon. And if you can't be a top three team in the West, you're inherently not going to be a wild card winner. So uh, I think that the the Diamondbacks are just going to sell off here relatively quickly. I think Gallon is the ultimate prize there. And I've I've liked Zach Gallon ever since uh, he came over to Miami in the Marcelo Zuna trade. I I love Zach Gallon's profile. I love his changeup. Uh, I I love the body type. Yeah, he struggled with some injuries, but Zach Gallon is a very very good pitcher. I'm still going to go back to Anthony Santander. I don't think the Orioles are going to trade Mullins, or if they do, it's going to require a big 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 package. But I do think you could get Santander uh, or even Tyler O'Neill from the Cardinals, for example. I think either of those, either of O'Neill Santander. Hanniger, uh, Castellanos, Winker, um, or or Brian Reynolds, any of those six, I would be I would be ecstatic with. I think that they would fit this club very well. I think they would fit this offense very well. Reynolds, you could play him in center. He's been a pretty good center fielder this year, so you don't have to take away from Ronald. Uh, and then you can move Haradia, and you can you can platoon Haradia and Almonte in left field if you want, uh, or if you're able to get like Hanniger, he can play left field. You don't have to worry about his defense. So. They've got, some, they've got some options to do. They've got some options that they can consider around there. Uh, I don't want to talk about trades too much, though, because we'll get too bogged down, and we we're probably trying to go about another 10, 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, so let's let's get to the pitching matchup for tonight's game, because uh, this is a very important start. Now, the Mets are throwing somebody making their, de- their major league debut, Tyler McGill, um, versus Kyle Wright, who's having to come up because of, of Max Free being placed retroactively on the IL for the blister. And this is a very important start for Kyle Wright. We say this on every Kyle Wright start, it seems, because, I mean, at this point in his career, they're kind of all important. But this is a good chance for him to go in there and change the narrative. We've got a chance tonight to go in there and definitively take this series from the Mets. That's one of the things on four-game sets. If you can win that series, it means you're taking three out of four. That's a chance to to really grab momentum. Because that's a, that's a two-game swing in the standings just from playing that one team. And you still got another three-game set with them coming up here in the next week. So... For Kyle Wright, this would be a good time for him to go out there and have a good game. I'm not saying he has to be perfect. I'm not saying he has to be, you know, I'm not saying he has to go out there and do what Max would have done. But if he can go out there and if he can go, let's say, six innings and give up three or fewer to a Mets offense that's kind of reeling a little bit, some pieces are starting to figure some things out, but some other ones are kind of going cold a little bit, this would be a very good thing for Kyle Wright to be able to kind of change the narrative that he's created for himself.
1: No doubt about it. And especially with the way that Kyle Muller pitched this week, then that kind of looks...
0: Shout out to Muller because he was fantastic. He really
1: was. And if if I'm Kyle Wright, I'm thinking, all right, I already got passed by Wes Noah. I got passed by Bryce Wilson. I might have just got passed by Kyle Muller. And if Tukey Toussaint's rehab start <laughs> or rehab stint... And he got
0: passed by Tucker. And you
1: got passed by Tucker Davidson. So if I'm Kyle Wright, I'm going, man... Mm, I'm kind of getting to the end of the rope here, or I might need to get comfortable pitching one inning at a time. So he, you're right. We say this about every start because it's always true. Like he, he needs to go out and, and put his foot down. And when he, when he went up against the Cubs, Earlier this season, he didn't allow a lot of runs, but he did hit four guys. It was just, like, effectively wild. <laughs>
0: it wasn't a good outing. No. It wasn't a good outing. It's just the Cubs were in the throes of being horrendous. Yeah, this
1: was this was before they turned it around. You know, this was uh,
0: even... This was when we were expecting them to sell off everything. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So, and now to clarify what i said earlier i said everything about this game makes it look like we are going to lose it i want to clarify what i mean kyle wright starting is not exactly what i mean when i say that i mean he's he's inconsistent but you know you saw what he what he can be at the tail end of last year he's not a bad pitcher it's just you never know exactly what you're going to get the mets did just get back michael conforto as of today they got jeff mcneil back earlier this series. they are starting to get healthy Kyle Wright is kind of homer prone. So when you look up and down some of this lineup, you know, when you've got McNeil, Conforto, um, Dom Smith, P. Alonso, obviously, Francisco Lindor even
0: Let's say Lindor. Let's say just because Lindor's been bad this year, don't forget that Lindor is one of the top shortstops power wise of the last four or five seasons. Like like I know it's been a bad start for Lindor, it's been a bad start for a lot of people. Lindor's had a lot of that Freddie Freeman going to him. Lindor's going to turn it around at some point. Just don't let it be against you.
1: Yeah, and, and so so the whole point is there are a number of guys that Kyle Wright hasn't done enough, in my opinion, to get me unscared of the back of a baseball card. You know, I know that he pitched better when he went to Gwinnett. Um... But still not great.
0: But not significantly. Right. Yeah, not significantly better.
1: And so when you've got, the one, the Kyle Wright thing. Two, the Mets getting healthy. And three, and this is the most perplexing to me, is that they have a guy who's making his Major League debut tonight. First pitch was about 40 seconds ago, I think. So, thing, and I'm not watching the game, so things could already be going good, good or badly. But this guy's name is Tyler McGill. And... The Braves always seem to struggle against guys, and I'm not talking about these Braves, I'm talking about my whole life. This has been going on for as long as I've been paying attention. They always (laughs) struggle against guys that get their first call up. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're just like, oh, let's not do any research on this guy. Does he have a change up? (laughs) I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is about this team. They always seem to struggle. You swirl all of these things together, and because it seems like we're gonna lose seven to two, maybe we're gonna win like eight to five. I don't know. I I could be totally wrong. It's just one of those like every time that I've looked at the lineup this year and said, "Oh, I can't believe they're sitting fill in the blank against fill in the blank." We're totally gonna lose by fill in the blank runs or whatever, and it never seems to go that way. So
0: I got my fingers crossed. And not only that, but not only that, but Acuna. Scratched uh, with back tightness today. So you've got Dansby leading off. You go Dansby, Freddie, Ozzy, uh, Almonte, Riley, Adrianza, William, Ender, and Kyle Wright as your lineup. So it's not, not a lineup that really inspires a ton of confidence. Hey, uh, just um, real quick, no. left,
1: or left or right, will you say the outfield one more time? I just want to hear what the 2021 Braves were doing in their outfield 71 games into the season.
0: Abraham, Almonte, Ender, and Ciarte area adrianza
1: uh could you do the rest of the episode i'm gonna go and vomit a lot
0: right yeah so the, the which is kind of you know symptomatic of I, I said this last week during uh during the was it maybe it was the one of the maybe it was one of the drew smiley starts where i was like all right so the braves are clearly doing the the punt it roster on like a sunday afternoon so they're going to score six runs and they promptly did this is kind of would just be par for the course um but this is this is one of those games that worst you can do is split. I I I think it's important for the Braves to win this series. But at the very least, you're not going to lose any ground. Um, so the Braves have to feel pretty good about this. And better that it's Kyle Wright versus somebody making their debut than say I don't know Tywin Walker, uh, who has been absolutely electric this season. Uh, not somebody that I would want these Braves to have to face right now, especially down Ronald Acuna. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm glad that you brought up Kyle Muller because that was. I think that start was pretty endemic of, of what Kyle Muller is. And this is why um, there are certain prospects you get just incredibly excited about when they make their debuts that you know. Like Wander Franco. Like when they make it, you like, alright, this guy's here to stay. He's ready to go. He's going to dominate. Um, Kyle Muller is not one of those guys. Not because he doesn't have stuff, uh, but because he's always lacked... Uh, a refined command, where it kind of comes and goes, where he can be really, really wild, or he can not command the corners of the zone and leave pitches in the middle and kind of get bounced. But what we saw from him in his first start was was what you hope to see from Kyle Muller. Like, that, that to me, and I, I thought that might be the case. I thought it was a very smart move by Snicker, and I'll, I'll give him praise every time I... Like, if I criticize him for, for doing things that are stupid, I'll give him praise for doing something that's smart. Having Muller go against DeGrom was very smart. You're essentially punting that game anyway, because you're saying, even if, even if, like, even if Ian pitches a perfect his perfect game against Degrom, it's not likely that you're going to beat him. So, might as well let the rookie face him and save Ian for the second game, where you've got a much better shot. And maybe facing a guy like Degrom will be the best will bring the best out of Kyle. And it did it brought it brought what you want to see out of Kyle Muller. Yeah, they, there's you know three walks I believe it was to five strikeouts. He wasn't always perfectly in the zone, but he did a really good job. Uh, and that's what you hope to see because if Kyle sticks in rotation, he's not a top of the rotation guy. He doesn't have the the consistency of his command to to be that top of the rotation guy. You're talking about a guy that would settle in as a as a four or a high upside five who can go out there, kind of similar to Tywin Walker before he had this resurgence from the Mets, where he can go out there and he could strike out ten, or he could go out there and get hit around a little bit if he's a little bit flat, or he could walk the yard. That's what you're getting with Ty- with Kyle Muller. That's why I still think ultimately he ends up in the in the bullpen. Um, but the Braves aren't going to do that until Kyle shows you that he needs to go to the bullpen. So for Kyle, that was an excellent, excellent debut. Today's episode, just reminding you, brought to you by Green Room from Spotify, and um, Doc has another read for you guys from something that... This sounds like it would be really good right about now. Uh,
1: yeah. So leading into this episode, I totally forgot to write some ad copy for Kansas City Steaks. So if this sounds familiar to you guys, well, it probably should. This week's episode of Platinum Suburra is brought to you by Kansas City Steaks. Caveman Chic is back in style, and nobody's doing a better job of justifying that than Kansas City Steaks. We have officially entered grilling season, so if you're planning on throwing down some classic steak cuts, USDA Prime, American-style Kobe beef, hard-to-find specialty cuts, whatever. Kansas City Steaks has everything you need. You've also got butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all-beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. So, go to KansasCitySteaks.com, use our promo code SD, like Short Dylan. I said that last week. Still true. Get 10% off your order and free shipping. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Bring the steakhouse to your house with Kansas city steaks. They've got everything you need to fire up the grill. One more thing about Kyle Muller, everybody, him more than any other Braves pitching prospect, people always want to discuss the worst case scenario with him. You know, it's, Oh, he's a starter for now. He's definitely a bullpen guy. And I'm not saying he's not a bullpen guy, but it's interesting that it's always, he's only starting for now. It's like, there's no way that he's going to stick. And, and, you know, maybe there's not. But the other day, he showed me a lot. He he's a very slow starter at the beginning of seasons. You going back a couple years, you can always see his first couple starts are really rough. Like he'll have eye popping strikeout numbers and walk numbers. He'll he'll be striking out like 18 per nine and walking 14 and a half per nine. And that's just how it goes every year. But he had really cleaned it up at Gwinnett. Even even after a rough start this year too, he looked so poised. He didn't look like he was affected by the environment at all you know a couple years ago when soroka came up and made his first start it was at city field as well it was against cinder and uh you know there was a lot of talk of like man is he going to be able to beat this guy and he did you know he went toe to toe with him and muller didn't beat Degrom. but i mean it's it's DeGrom. You can forgive him you for that. You didn't lose to DeGrom. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, Mueller didn't lose to DeGrom, so in a way, he kind of did be Well,
1: not to mention, you know, he was the first brave to get on base. He took a walk against Jacob DeGrom. Do you know how hard that is? So, um... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was really impressed with with Mueller and and right now you need guys to step up. You know, you got Freed, Soroka, Inoa, Davidson, and Tuki Toussaint, which is an amazing rotation if any of them were healthy. But all five of them are on the IL, so it's kind of open tryouts for you know what these guys are doing now. You got let's say the Braves do make the playoffs and you're running out a, a top three of Freed, Anderson, Morton in whatever order. You know, you can have somebody like Smiley in the bullpen. You could have somebody like Mueller in the bullpen. If he does enough now, if he's like a real flamethrower type, yeah. I mean, if it gets to that point, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised. You me that I
0: could swap Nukem. Like, you're talking me for the playoffs. I could swap Nukem with Mueller. You do that in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The high octane lefty who can actually find the zone. No offense, Sean. I know. I know.
0: And who's who's stuff? Who, by the way. Uh, this is one of the things on Newcomb, real quick, because we're going to end the show here soon, but real quick on Newcomb. He's one of those guys that seems like a stat cast mirage to me. We always talk about how there's mirages of like empty stat guys, guys that were, you know, your 300 hitters but didn't walk and didn't hit for power, how they're full of empty stats. Well, I feel like there are guys that in the stat cast era are that way too, where we, we have this habit of looking at their stuff. We look at the spin rates, we look at the exit velocities against them, and we just if we see those numbers higher, we're like, oh, he's just having bad luck. He's actually super awesome. And if you look at Newcomb's, if you just look at his Statcast page and you never wa- watch him pitch, you come away thinking, man, this guy has elite stuff. That doesn't show up when you watch him play. Hitters don't look unduly fooled by him, and I think a lot of that is his arm action. I don't think he has enough similar arm action, arm speed in particular, between his fastball and his off-speed stuff. I think it's very easy to tell when he's throwing what. I think that plays a big role in why he gets hit around the way he does. Uh, there are certain outings where if a guy's just not going to catch his stuff, then maybe Newcomb bucks the trend by just throwing his fastball. We saw that in that first outing from him that was so good this year. Um, but overall, his stuff doesn't doesn't look like it confuses hitters very much. I don't know if it's if it just doesn't get on hitters, if the extension's not quite right, but it just doesn't ever look to me that he's got premium stuff. So Muller. Say what you will, he can struggle like Nukem as far as command goes, but Mueller does have elite stuff, and you can tell by the types of swings he generates on that slider that he added in recently, or his curveball that he started to, to get a little bit of a better handle on, or even his fastball. is you know throwing at ninety-five. Everybody throws ninety-five now. It's not like you're really surprising people when you when you start throwing ninety-five, even if it's from the left side. But it's how quickly it seems to get on hitters, and that's something that Mueller's done very well. So yes, I would be I would be much more. Inclined to to not panic. If you were to tell me that I have to bring Mueller into that situation a few days ago rather than Sean Newcomb with the bases loaded, I would have been much more comfortable with Mueller because I feel like Mueller would have been able to get out of it, um, or would have a better, or would have a better chance at getting out of it. I should say. Uh, but that's that's sort of the things that you can do. And then if you go out and you make a trade for. I don't know. Let's say you decide to bring in Sonny Gray, then you can push another person in the bullpen. You can say that your top three, you can you can run with a four in the or a four an actual four man rotation in the playoffs, so nobody has to go on short rest or whatever. There's a lot of ways you can do it. Um, there's a lot of ways you can consolidate, but the pitching is certainly going to be interesting because I want to talk about Charlie because we said this before, uh, referencing this earlier in the show about how these last two starts from him have been his best of the season, and obviously the last two starts were after the whole announcement that Major League Baseball was about to crack down really, really hard on the grip-enhancing substances. And I'm, I'm not even going to allege this. I'm just going to straight-up say it. Charlie was the most obvious user of sticky stuff on this team. He has been ever since he went to Houston, and his numbers started popping when his fastball spin rate jumped through the roof, when his curveball became one of the greatest curveballs in baseball. Charlie, has I, I sat there and watched in the 2017 World Series where Charlie... Stuck his gum out of his mouth and started touching the baseball with his gum on live television. Like I will never forget this. This is this is in my mind as clearly as that game that Yadi Molina had the ball bounce in the dirt, stick to his chest protector, and he couldn't find it. Like this, that is, I distinctly remember this happening. And I'm not saying this to be mean to Charlie. If everyone's doing it, you'd be stupid not to. I'll say that that's that's what I'll say on that. Um, but it is interesting that the two starts after we don't see Charlie have that bad inning, and there's a distinct reason. The distinct reason is he ditched the cutter. Now, he he might throw it four, five, six times in a game, but he's not throwing it at the rate that he was throwing it before, and he's gone to the two pitches that he knows he's comfortable with, his four-seam fastball and his, his, his curveball. So he's become a two-pitch pitcher. Drew Smiley, over the last few times when he's been good, ditched the cutter. He's been going fastball and curveball, two-pitch pitcher. And I bring this up for one particular reason. All I listened to for months on end after Oscar Noa stupidly punched the bench and broke his hand was how, oh, well, you know what? We, we need to move him to the bullpen anyway because he's only a two-pitch pitcher and that doesn't work. And, Doc, how many times have I told you that how stupid that line of logic is? Roughly probably five, six, seven, maybe more?
1: I was just going to say many, but five, six, seven sounds right.
0: It could be more than that because it is. Because when you, are, when you have two pitches that are elite pitches and you have a third pitch That is maybe average at best. Let's let's err on the side of of benefit of the doubt and say that it's an average pitch. You are much more likely to get beat on the average pitch than you are the elite pitches. Whether or not this is the big key. This is where pitchers hurt themselves. When they think and when fans think that you have to throw a certain number of, of types for your repertoire to work as a starter. That is not true. It doesn't really matter if a hitter knows you are throwing a curveball. If you have a 70-grade curveball, and the hitter knows you're going to throw the curveball, he's already sitting on that if he knows that your curveball is your best pitch. He already says, all right. Like, like when people come against Max Fried, they're not thinking, okay, well, do, is he going to throw that 95-mile-an-hour fastball? No. They're going up to the plate thinking, don't get beat by the curveball, because it's his best pitch, and everybody knows it. And yet, he still beats you with it. Why? Why? Because his best is better than your best. If you are a pitcher in Major League Baseball, and this is what I think Charlie's kind of gone to, of if I'm going to get beat, get beat throwing your best. Don't get beat throwing your weaker pitches. And this is, I think that that is kind of endemic for how the Braves have performed since the whole crackdown on the sticky stuff goes. Because we've seen it with Smiley, and Smiley was obviously a user too. Uh, we've seen it with Luke Jackson, who, again, I'm not getting out. Luke, I'll allege, because I don't know for certain, but it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, If you look at spin rates, then Will Smith, pretty obvious decline in spin rate as well. Um, But Charlie and Drew were the two most obvious guys, and Max, which would be why I believe that the first start that Max has with no sticky stuff, he comes away with a blister. And I'm not saying Max was using spider attack. That's the big divide here. There's a big difference between spider attack, which you could say is not a ton of guys, but a few guys, versus the the bullfrog and rosin combo. Uh, And for Max, I think Max is a sweat and rosin combo, because Max tends to sweat very profusely. Under pretty much any circumstance, uh, which could also be why Max has a very high tendency of hiding his curveball until the second time through an order. Third, fourth inning, which would be when he's built up a ladder and he can run his hands through his hair or down his arm and he can get some sweat and then go to the rosin bag. That's when he starts throwing that curveball more. But when you don't have that film over the fingers, what that stuff can do is it provides an extra layer of protection for the seams not touching your bare skin. That's where you get the blisters is when the seams dig into your bare skin. Max must have tender fingers. It just kind of is what it is. But that's why when he can't use the grip stuff and the seams are rubbing across his fingers, he develops a blister. So that is definitely something to look at. And that's something that Major League Baseball should have considered before they went with this slap bleep idea of of enforcing this rule midseason. So it's a long-winded answer to say congrats to Charlie. Stick with what you're doing. If you have four pitches, two of them are elite and two of them are average, don't throw the four pitches if you don't have to. Make them beat your elite stuff before you go to your non-elite stuff. It's not that hard. Don't overcomplicate things.
1: No, very very well said. And and people have known that this crackdown was coming. And the, the impacts of this, I mean, it's obviously being handled very poorly so far. Seeing both Max Scherzer and Sergio Romo, and as of today, Shohei Otani, getting in on the hey.
0: By the way, that was some weak sauce by Joe Girardi. Uh, yeah. that, was, that was 100% Joe Girardi was trying to get Max Scherzer off his rhythm. And that's something that Major League Baseball didn't even consider before implementing that midseason. For me, if you see a manager do that, you got to toss that manager immediately.
1: He did get ejected, but it was after Scherzer stared him down on the after way. After he but, came yeah. on the field. Yeah. So <laughs> After
0: he came on the field and tried to fight Max Scherzer.
1: Which I, I would watch those two fight in pay-per-view. But, uh, but Do you want to get Don Zimmerd? I, hey, you know, if if Max wants to act like Pedro, then, uh, then we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know, just the... Every this whole thing about the sticky stuff, like it's really weird that it that it got implemented halfway through the season, and especially now that you're looking at five weeks up leading up to the trade deadline, and now you can't even really be sure who's going to give you what. You know, you not only do you have to deal with like you know, Glasnow got hurt, Tucker Davidson got hurt, and because you know, talked about last time around with. If you got to grip the ball harder, then it's putting a lot of undue strain on your forearm. And, you know, if you have anything pre-existing in there, then it could wind up just being a giant disaster. So now, not only are you trying to not get hurt, you're trying to pitch well enough to where you can either increase your trade value or, or just be a valuable chip or whatever. And and you can't even really be sure, if you're a front office, what version of a guy you're going to get. And the sample size is still going to be small enough to where results can be deceptive there. So. Uh hopefully if the Braves do go out and get somebody at the deadline, it's somebody that's going to uh, be immune to uh, any decline in performance. Uh, you know, it's what you ultimately hope for in the trade deadline. But uh, now, especially so this year with the pitcher, because I, I think this is just this is just such a ridiculous thing. Like the the hitters wanted the pitchers to have this on their stuff. You know what I mean, like because because it, it benefits them too. So and so you're you're hurting both sides, and now you got Joe Girardi trying to fight Max Scherzer, and he's gonna get you know punched in the neck on live television, and everybody wants that, but nobody <laughs> wants that.
0: Well, and then Max is, Max will just steal his soul, and then his other eye will turn light blue. He's a White Walker,
1: or part of him anyway. I never thought about that.
0: Hmm. I'm I'm convinced that that's that's one conspiracy that I'll think of. I've got some other conspiracy theories that I've been thinking about in certain situations, you know, late at night when, you know, uh, Carter's asleep and I've had some free time to do some things um, that I kind of come up with off the top of my head. I'll I'll definitely text you about those tonight, but I do want to get to watching this game because apparently Kyle Wright is being Kyle Wright right now. Uh, Two walks and two wild pitches has allowed a run to score and then uh, Braves are down two to nothing right now in the first, Um, but the sticky stuff is important in one facet because it is going to affect both free agency for sure, because it's definitely going to suppress wages. Um, but it's also, it's also going to change how you go about evaluating pitchers for trades. Now I can guarantee you guys that are at the forefront of analytics are going to be using spin rates to decide, all right, am I, is this even worth trading for this guy? Or now I'm going to have to change the package that I would give because I'm sure this guy was using before. So now I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Um, it's definitely going to have an effect on that. This is why, I, again, why it was so stupid for baseball to do this in the middle of the season and not just create your own substance. You're a ten to twelve billion dollar industry. You tell me that you can't create your own mixture of sunscreen and rosin that that gives you grip without really affecting your spin, even if it just takes your spin to maybe your A plus fastball, but it doesn't give you much beyond that. Tell me that you know a, a guy that didn't a guy that barely graduated high school can figure this out, but you can't. Uh, seems kind of weird to me, uh, but it's also another case of why wouldn't you just, if you really were trying to go away from substances, period, I don't know why you wouldn't just use the Japanese or the Korean baseball. I know they tried it once and it didn't work out well, uh, but it is a tackier baseball that are stored hermetically and are individually sealed. To me, instead of having somebody just go and rub mud on it, uh, which you know is basically uncontrollable because they don't all get the same amount of mud, Uh, you'd figure that that would be the easiest way to go about it, but Major League Baseball has to Major League Baseball and make things harder on themselves. And for the teams, it's going to make it a lot more difficult at the deadline. So I don't know what I'm expecting. I just think we're going to see – I don't know if we're really going to see a ton of movement this deadline because of that. I think you'll see some guys, some teams, that are just going to have to take a risk, take a risk. Like I think the Blue Jays are a pretty prime candidate to to take a pretty big risk and try to bring in somebody big as far as a starting pitcher goes. Um, I think the Braves – are in a position where they could be one of those teams that goes very aggressive, but it could affect what type of packages you feel comfortable sending.
1: No doubt. And I think that, uh, somebody in the, in the NL central is going to be getting involved with some starting pitchers too. You, you mentioned Sonny gray, Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker, uh, all possibly being targets. I honestly, I think the reds add, I don't think that, I don't think they sell anybody, but if you take, take a starting pitcher, you got to make a real sure in a place like Cincinnati, that you're getting what you pay for because a ballpark that tiny, pitcher performance getting compromised going into a little bandbox like that, I mean, you'll ruin your title hopes within two weeks of getting the guy. So there's a lot, I, and I don't even know if this is something that they would have considered. I mean, I, I don't like to go out and criticize MLB too much because I feel like, I mean, it's it's such, the game is so ingrained in so many people that any change you make even, even if I love it and you love it and most people love it, that if not everybody loves it, then you're offending somebody. So you change a different rule and then you offend the people that you just got done not offending. So it's really hard for MLB, no matter what. They kind of are in a corner to begin with. And I recognize that they have a difficult job, but that being said... This is just kind of irresponsible and weird. It's it's more weird than anything. Just now? You're doing it now? So, I don't know. As for what it means for the trade deadline, like you said, five weeks. Got a little bit of ways to go. And um, I just hope that, like I said, I hope that the the Braves get somebody that's going to be um, spider tack proof. Or spider tack results proof.
0: To be fair, I don't think anybody in the Braves is using spider tack. Uh, if anybody was, I would say it would probably have been Charlie, but really none of them really strike me as spider-tack guys. None of their stuff looked to me like it was spider-tack usage, and I haven't seen any drop-off in the pure stuff uh, since they'd quit. So I would I would hang that it was more a grip issue than anything. Uh, maybe some guys using some pine tar type of mixture. If anybody was going to, it would have been Charlie because he was on the same team as Justin Verlander. who say what you want about Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, the guy that really ushered in this era of, of pitchers... messing with chemists and and creating stuff specifically to enhance their stuff that started with with Verlander don't forget Verlander was dead and buried in 2015 and then all of a sudden goes to Houston and completely revived his career Justin Verlander should be the poster boy not Trevor Bauer not Garrett Cole and that's what I'm going to leave you with today is my conspiracy theory that actually we're all mad at the wrong two people that Justin Verlander is the reason why this is happening to us now so every pitcher angry about not having any gripping substance blame Verlander
1: Well, there you go. On top of the Kate Upton thing, I just—I really just hate that guy.
0: Right. So now there's really no excuse to like him at all. Speaking of that, thank you guys so much for liking us and listening to the show. Uh, We will go ahead and end the show now so I can try to watch a little bit of Kyle Wright's debacle and hopefully he turns it around here real quick. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back again next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you for being a friend.